It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Hi everyone, it's Will here from We Are West Ham. Have you ever dreamt of pulling on the claret and blue shirt to play in front of thousands of fans at the London Stadium? Well now, thanks to We Are West Ham and our brand new competition with Snugsy, you've got a chance to put your kit on and be a part of the team with your very own West Ham Mini-Me doll. Simply upload a high quality photo of your face or the face of any loved one and Snugsy can create the perfect gift for any Hammers fan. You can choose between this season's home or away kits on this officially licensed West Ham United mini-me doll. To win, head on over to We Are West Ham on Twitter. That's at We Are underscore West Ham. Check out the competition tweet and follow the instructions there. Good luck. Welcome to We Are West Ham, the podcast that makes you tune in to get all the latest Hammers gossip and news with your team, your Chiefs in co, your co-captains, James Jones, Will Pugh and me, Charlie Hawkins. Well, this is it, the heavyweight show, what would have been the last week of the regular Premier League season and it is going to come down to the wire because you know you've been waiting for it. Tonight is the final West Ham Rogue Mystery Players quiz. And the scores are tied at 14-14. Someone has to win tonight. But before we get there, we're just going to build that a little bit longer. We're going to tease you a little while more because we're going to get into all the latest gossip and news, what's going on. And there is always so much gossip. Maybe a new manager, West Ham links with a potential another Croatian manager. But footballers are back in training and before we get into all of those headlines, we welcome back the team. James, we kick it off with you. Firstly, how are you? And tonight is the big one. Are you prepared? Yeah, hello, mate. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm good. Uh, a bit hot, actually. Weather's been nice. Uh, flat's like a song at the moment. Um, but yeah, I feel good. And, and for the quiz later, um, was it 30 weeks building up to this? Um, 28, yeah, I think this is week 29, 14 all, isn't it? Yeah. So, um, yeah, and I feel, I feel good, I feel ready. The only problem is that I felt quite, I feel quite gutted that I haven't already got it wrapped up because I think I did have a four-game a four week lead about, what, three or four weeks ago. So, yeah, it's a bit frustrating, but still to play for tonight. And, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling, feeling quite confident. I'm feeling good about myself today. Well, he's feeling good, maybe a little bit hot and bothered. Who knows, because the task that is in hand, he could just open up a window, Will, but the window of opportunity is yours tonight. You both had leads at different points. But firstly, how are you? And a normal week, we've got 
Tony Gall on Tony Cotty tonight. It's just about you two. It is all about the quiz and that news. And just before we get into it, Will, not only how are you, but also brilliant more feedback and more emails from our listeners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm doing all right, Charlie. Same as Jonesy, a little bit hot and bothered, but I've uh, managed to get out in the sun a couple of times this week. So I'm just waiting for the deep burn that I've got covering most of my body at the moment to turn from uh, bright pink and bright red into a golden brown sort of Mediterranean Adonis kind of look. I've been waiting about 28 years for that so far. So uh, hopefully I'm hoping this summer will be the one. But no, I'm doing all right, mate. Yeah, massive night for the quiz tonight. I'm just I'm just glad, you know, I could make a competition of it. Obviously, we've got a bit, a uh, few more questions lined up for the finale. The word mm. games, the mind games in the group chat earlier on, the We Are West Ham podcast group chat. It was, you know, James stooping to levels I didn't really expect of him, to be quite honest. Earlier in the day, he's texted me and said, you know, we make sure we're doing something special as it's the quiz finale. Thought I'd make sure Reese had done a few more questions just so you know it could be a big one. As, like you say, 28 weeks worth of quizzing, we're tied dead tie at 14 game weeks all. Thought I'd make the last one a bit special. And then when it comes to the group chat, he's changed his mind, pretending he had nothing to do with it. And yeah, you know, I, I thought it'd been friendly competitional year. I didn't think Jones was stooped to those sort of levels, but unfortunately, he has. And you know, it obviously means a lot more to him than, than perhaps the, the friendly competition it has done to me all year, Charlie. Well, James, I was going to throw straight to the news and the headlines, but in true gloves are off style, do you want to come back to that? Because Will pulling no punches and seemingly this is where we start our show tonight. Yeah, I mean, I think him saying that, I mean, he's decided that we're having seven, seven players tonight. No one else has agreed to it. He's decided. Will, on his own, has said, no, as it's the last week, we're doing seven, best out seven. Uh, I think what what I'm I'm two two points two game points clear two guesses clear in the, in the goal difference, um, so no wonder he wants a best of best of seven rather than a best of three. Um, goal difference doesn't matter though, does it? It's whoever wins on the night. Well, yeah, I mean it's just it's very strange then that you've you've gone for seven. <laughs> when I said in the when I said in the chat earlier, I said I said we'll have a larger section for the quiz just because it's the finale, but only because I thought it'd be good to talk about, you know, some of the great victories that I've had and some of the, some of the shocking losses that you've, that you've suffered over the last 28 weeks. Um, but no, you went, no, we want to fill the time by two more questions. Or, or no, what, four, four. What, yeah. four more players. Um, so yeah, it's a bit bizarre, but it, it will come back and bite you, mate. So are you just worried then that you sort of feel like you can blag it if there's only three, but when it comes to seven and perhaps it's a bit more of a test of true rogue West Ham player knowledge that you, you fall a bit short compared to me? Is that what you're concerned about? Or We'll find out later, mate. I'm, I'm fully confident in my own abilities. Oh, it's all getting a bit tasty. Very early doors. Save it, boys, because it is at the end of the show. Also at the end of the show, we're going to be giving you, Will Pugh will give you some details of another competition we are running because we know the quiz, uh, we enjoy it. It's certainly for us, but it's for you as well. So is the competition. We've had some winners of past competitions and there is another one coming up. Will's got all the details on that later. Let's get right into those headlines. Players are back in training now. We've had actually players six. There's been six positive coronavirus tests uh, across the Premier League. Over Just under 800 tests uh, were done and there's been six positive tests. They are back in training. Some players not genuinely happy about going back. Maybe some refusing to return. 
not at West Ham, uh, but the Premier League in general will. What are you making of it? Yeah, I, I think, Charlie, I need to kind of change my tune a little bit in terms of football coming back. So otherwise, I'm going to sound like a very much like a broken record. The, the arguments for competition integrity that were you know, being passionately put forward by lots of people at the beginning of these discussions when we were talking about football coming back or not seem to have gone out the window. And as I've been wondering all along, what happens if a club gets four, five, six, seven coronavirus cases and their squad's decimated, whether it's behind closed doors or on TV or not, what happens then? Does the whole circus grind to a halt? Um, those questions still remain and apparently the football authority seem to have decided that those questions will continue to remain and it doesn't matter whether they remain because we need to put some football games on telly and get that money whether or not half of the squads have been decimated by coronavirus or not so yeah I, I think I think it's a farce now I thought it was a farce at the beginning and I'm pretty certain that I'm going to think it's a farce when the so-called season is over. Yeah, uh, Will always one for a passionate rant on it. And he stated that from the very off. James, obviously players have tested. Now we're talking about the integrity. What are you making of it? Well, I mean, firstly, I think we don't know whether it's actually players or not, or whether it might be coaching staff or or, or like sort of non-playing staff. I mm. think the Premier League have said, you know, because of confidentiality, they can't actually reveal who's tested positive. Um, but that's kind of by the by, really, isn't it? I mean, the fact is that if, people, if someone's getting tested at a Premier League football club, it means that they're involved on a match day or um, they're involved in the, the the actual running of the football team, not the club, but the team. Um, and that means it kind of doesn't make any difference because they're still mixing with the players um, and those that sort of matter on, on, a, on a match day. Uh, I was quietly, quietly sort of um, confident that this might sort of all go by um, without a hitch, um, I'm not saying that there was never going. I didn't think there was anyone that was going to test positive, but um, the fact that Germany got their season back underway at the weekend and they had, well, I think it was eight, eight, eight test positive before the restart, and it seemed to go by quite smoothly, um, it, it, albeit a little bit weirdly with no fans in the stadiums. And I thought, well, do you know what? This is probably a sign that it could work, but. When you know when you do hear of positive tests and positive positive uh, coronavirus results, and um, you've got the likes of Danny Rose coming out saying that he feels like players are being treated like lab rats and guinea pigs, and Troy Deeney refusing to go back to training because he's worried about his five-month-old baby who's got already got breathing problems. He doesn't want to put put um, his baby at, at further risk, which I'm making absolutely right to do. Um, it kind of makes you think, well, hang on, do we really need to follow suit with Germany so soon? Um, can't we just wait until we know it's safe in England? Forget what Germany are doing. Um, let's just let's just wait and see. And if it means not going back to training for another two or three weeks, then so be it. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be an interesting few weeks in England and where the Premier League is concerned, given that you know there are already leagues thinking about starting up in Europe. Yeah, starting up. Obviously, you mentioned the Bundesliga there. Another one... Uh in the Premiership in Scotland, they've actually concluded their season now. Celtic being given uh, their ninth championship in a row. So some uh, leagues and nations will obviously electing to end their season. The Bundesliga continuing. The Premier League, it is all about that money, isn't it, Will? Yeah, and the first thing that's happened, you mentioned Scotland there, Charlie. They've relegated Hearts. And the first thing they've done is, uh, stories come out, they're considering legal action. 
first, yeah. the very first thing. They've been relegated and immediately, you know, in, harshly in lots of people's minds. And immediately they say, right, legal action then. Because Cause it was on the points by a game, wasn't it? And they were exactly. relegated and they said, no, we didn't get to play them. And, and, yeah. and I know Rangers are up in arms about Salty getting it, as they would be, but they were mathematically still in with a chance and they had to play Celtic still with one game to go. That, that's the magic of, of the, the sport that we all love and lots of us earn money from and lots of us pay money, lots of our money every week or every year to go and watch it or be part of it or listen to podcasts about it or watch, pay for subscriptions so we can watch the games at home, pay for season tickets so we can go to the games. The reason we do it all is because we of the people on the pitch and the ball flying into the top corner so we can go mental with our mates or our family at home when we get promoted or so we can absolutely despair when you get relegated on the last game of the season. I remember going up to Wigan away the year we got relegated to the championship most recently. Denver Bar scoring. There was about 6,500 West Ham fans in the away end, loads in the home end as well. Denver Bar gives us a lead, Charles and Zogbia breaks everyone's hearts right at the end and, and we get relegated. But the 6,000 people there who'd spent 30 quid on the ticket and then 25 quid on the bus, they did it because they wanted to watch what's happening in front of them. And all right, they were heartbroken, we went down. But next year, they'll go and pay again because they want to pay and see the competition on the pitch to see us go back up again. If you, as soon as you take that away and you decide, no, no, there's a different way of deciding whether that happens. No, there isn't. No, there is not. There's one way of deciding who gets promoted and relegated, who wins the league or who gets Champions League places or whatever it is, or who wins the Champions League. All of those competitions is by what happens on the pitch. So as soon as you do that, and because of the financial implications, I totally understand why Hearts are doing that. They're going, no, we haven't had a fair crack at staying up on the pitch. We've had, all right, we might have not performed well this season, but imagine if the same situation happened with West Ham in the great escape season with Carlos Tevez and the amount of games, nine out of 11 uh, wins in our uh, last 11 games, won nine games, I think. Forgive me if I'm wrong on those figures, but around that, imagine if the same thing had happened in that season. Who's to say there wouldn't have been another great escape this year, whether it's the Championship, Scotland, uh, Norwich in the Prem, Watford, whoever it might have been. It's just, it's just an absolute farce, Charlie. The idea that a club can still get relegated just because coronavirus has come along, because some statistics say they might not have stayed up. It's just, it's not sport. It's not sport and sport. And that's why we all pay our money and get so passionate and do podcasts and all of that stuff I said before. It's just, it's ridiculous. I, I, I do have to say, I, com- I agree completely with you there. You talk about teams... Hearts and, and West Ham and, and those great runs getting relegated. I want to move it on to a positive note because we have spoke about COVID-19 so much in football and it's definitely going to play out in the next few weeks with obviously footballers returning to training and, and, and those non-playing staff, they're involved as well. But I want to talk about a really bright note for us all, one that all Hammers fans remember. Eight years uh, to the day since the playoff final win versus Blackpool. What a day that was and I know strong memories for you both, James. Yeah, I mean, I can't believe it's been eight years. Um, I see it will pop up on my social media this morning and I think I've watched uh, Vastay's winner on repeat um, three different times a day all for about 20 minutes, like just just watching that goal and that commentary is iconic commentary. And um, if you've watched that goal back, the the limbs behind that goal 
when that goal goes in right at the death is um gives you goosebumps and yeah it was it was a great it was a great season really i mean i know a lot of people expect us to go up automatically um but it was it was the last season i can remember barring the last season at upton park where we actually won more games than we lost um and those sort of seasons regardless of what league you're in they're always better than the other ones um so yeah i mean that i'll always remember that season not just because the way it ended and um, i always dreamt of watching West Ham play at Wembley and win at Wembley. And that's the first time I got to see that. And I'm sure many other fans as well. So, but it was just, it was quite fun down there in the championship. I wouldn't want to go back there, but um, it just brings back some really great memories of, of what was a, a really fun season. Um, and, you know, Vastay and obviously Carlton Cole getting the first one in a game where we probably didn't deserve to win. Um, a lot of people forget that as well. Blackpool were probably the better team on the day. So, um, yeah, yeah, good memories from that from that day eight years ago at Wembley. Yeah, it's always a little bit sweet, you know, when you don't deserve to win and you still do. It makes that memory a little bit more cherished. And Will, you kind of just spoke about it there, really, didn't you? That is what football's about, paying that money for those moments, for those memories. And this is what us fans, really, we live for. Yeah, absolutely. And Jones is right. That season is one of my favourites of all time. I think I missed two away games that season. and. What a year that was! Exactly what Jonesy's saying. You, it was just good fun. Like just winning games it doesn't really matter what what league you're in or what division. It's just it's just good fun. It's enjoyable, and that's why I do understand why people say I wouldn't mind if if we went down. Sometimes I think it would be a completely different concept in the stadium we're in now. I think it it'd be the end of the club if we did it now. But Upton Park, it didn't really matter as much because we were still getting on average. 30,000 people at Upton Park for most championship games. Albeit, I remember Bristol City at home on a Tuesday night. I think it was nil-nil. It might be 22,000 in there for that. And it looked a bit empty then. But, you know, most games, Saturday, three o'clock, especially in the summer. And, you know, it might be some some big teams. We played Leeds. Uh, Millwall obviously floating around at that time as well. There were some big, decent games and some big clubs, Nottingham Forest. Um it was it was enjoyable. We got some good wins. We had some really good players as well. Winston Reid was still in the team. Mark Noble, Vastay, obviously, Picky on, and we're going to Coventry know. away for my uh, day after my birthday. It was about seven and a half thousand people uh, in the Rico in the away end, and I think just for your birthday. Five... <laughs> yeah, yeah, for my birthday, all my <laughs> mates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, Peterborough away. I remember that, and that was again the same thing. You had about twelve thousand people at London Road. And of the 12,000, 5,500 were West Ham fans, all behind the goal with the terraces and halfway up one of the main stands in the home end. It was, it was fantastic. And it was proper football as well, with proper football fans. There's not so much of the fanfare or the huge transfer fees. There's real match-going fans who care about their club. And it was. It was absolutely brilliant. And, yeah, Jonesy's right. I remember, again, it's, those memories went with my dad and my granddad and my cousin. Like we always used to. And... Load of me mates there meeting up in the pub. Yeah, it, it, those are the things, and that's why I, what I say when people talk about the cups for match-going fans, which of West Ham are lucky to have a huge amount of those compared to a lot of clubs. That was what a day that was, and yeah, Jones is totally right. No way in a thousand years we deserve to win. Yeah, and and it does help when you are in a championship. For me, there's nothing better than football Saturday 3pm. You don't really get that in the Premier League. I think that's a debate for another day, but nothing like when you do play your games regularly on a Saturday 3 o'clock. I do want to actually mention, because there are still some little bits of news for us to talk about. Obviously, one of the ones may have to get out the violin, boys, because Sullivan's wealth slashed 
potentially, uh, we're hearing by around 50 million, according to the Sunday Rich List. Kind of knew this would happen, the time that we're in. We said, how would this affect the transfer market? But James, uh, what did you make of that, Sullivan? Losing the wealth, I'm sure West Ham will have to pay for it somewhere. Yeah, that's my only worry, really. Um, I think, I mean, there's not many businessmen that, that have made money in this uh, in this current time. Uh, I think it was just uh, the guy, what's his name, Dyson, that's one of the very few that have made money. I think he's now top as the, the UK's richest man. People at home um, a lot more are buying a lot more Hoovers, aren't they? Yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, <laughs> but people aren't buying um, um, stuff Go from on, what, Sorry, and, James, what, and, are they, what are they not buying? <laughs> and, um, and questionable newspapers and, and the likes. So, um, so yeah, and it, at first I was like, oh, you know, this is just going to be another excuse for him to, to not spend a lot of money once the transfer window opens or when it, when it, when it reopens. But... At the same time, I don't think the club probably was going to be in a position to spend much money anyway. I think we spoke about this before in the last couple of weeks. I think anyone's expecting uh, a lot of money to be spent from the club once everything does get back to normal. But um, yeah, I mean, 50, 50 million quid off his wealth, which I'm sure will will level out once everything gets back to normal and the economy starts picking up and his, um, and his properties are worth a little bit more than they are now in today's market. And his stocks and shares and, the, the, you know, the the value of those go back up to where they were before. So um, a lot of people will look at that and go, oh, he's lost 50 million quid out of his back pocket. He hasn't. It's all just tied up in bricks and mortar and stocks and shares probably. Um, so he'll get, he'll get that 50 million quid back. And he's still worth 1.1 billion instead of 1.15. So I think he'll um, cope. Yeah. But, 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 but to be fair, and let's, uh, let's call it for what it is. They did, there's 30 million quid just been pouring into the club, poured, sorry, into the club to, uh, to to help the coffers, hasn't there? So mm. can't yeah. maybe a Freudian slip there, Will, because did you say pawned into the club because they <laughs> are getting that money back <laughs> at some point? But it's it's a they're borrowing it. They do want that money back at, at some point. One of the things that's maybe helped us through over this time where we've been locked away and there's been no football, we've had some brilliant guests on the show just talking about their time, you know, covering West Ham, playing for West Ham. There's some brilliant ex pros on. And we're getting to hear from them a lot more in lockdown. One of the ones that's been uh, outspoken in the last few days, Reese Oxford, he's spoken about his time, so much potential there. Everyone talks about that game against Arsenal he had, you know, the, the world was literally at his feet. It just didn't really work out for him, Jonesy, you know, that, that pathway there. And really, I'm sure you two will agree, just such a real bad shame that it never did. It is a shame. Um... I mean, when that that game at Arsenal was, everyone was still saying he's got Mesut Ozil in his back pocket, and everyone was expecting him to go on and play for England and be this great, great youngster coming and not the latest youngster to come for our academy. Um, much like Declan Rice has done since him, uh, I think everyone expected Reece Oxford to be where Declan Rice is now. Um, obviously, we didn't know Declan Rice was going to break through when he did, but. Um, but yeah, it's a shame. A lot of people did question his attitude. He got that big pay rise, didn't he? Uh, and then that's when it, it appears to have sort of gone a little bit south. But he's come out and said that he just didn't feel as though there were many, much of a pathway into the first team, um, which I found quite bizarre because yeah. he was in the first team. Um, he played, I think he made 15, 16 appearances that season. Um, he made a couple of mistakes, but you know, you, 
Declan Rice has made mistakes and he's still in the team. He still showed that desire and that attitude to to bounce back and, and improve and prove the manager prove to the manager that he can be in the first team starting eleven. Um, so it's a little bit bizarre for him to come out and say that you know the club are just buying a lot of players and he didn't feel as though he could get into the team because um, that's not really the mindset you, you should have as a young player trying to break through at a Premier League football club, especially when you're 16, 17 years old um, and you've got what 15 years of your career ahead of you. Um, just get your head down and work, and you know you get in the team eventually. Especially if he was as good as everyone believed he could be. I mean, I know he showed early signs, but still very, very early. Um, so yeah, it was a little bit strange for him to come out and just say, "Oh, there was no route." When there was definitely a route because he'd already been through that route. And not just that, you're right. But if he was that good, he would have smashed it in Germany, wouldn't he? Like yeah. Jadon Sancho, he was an outstanding youth product and couldn't get in the first team at Man City, like Oxford is saying. And, you know, fair enough. But he's gone over to Germany and he's taken it by storm. His ability has shone through, hasn't it? So yeah. Someone who is struggling to get him in the team at Augsburg or um, whatever German team that he's at now, that is, it just doesn't hold well, true then, does it? He if went he to Reading enough, on loan at first, didn't he? Hmm. Um, and in his first start, they, I think they were 6-0 down at half-time. Mm. and uh, Reading fans I mean I worked with a Reading fan and he was just like he was excited when they signed him and after that first 45 minutes was like get him out of the club now who there was this guy um, so yeah I mean the promise was there but clearly something in terms of his mentality or his drive just was obviously not, not quite there and he's come out and, and said what he's had to say but yeah I don't quite I don't quite buy it we've seen plenty of, but you know Freddie Sears was a classic example wasn't it just because you do well on your debut, it doesn't mean that you're good enough to have a professional football career at the highest level, does it? Freddie Sears, no one will argue that he was too good for Colchester, where he ended up spending most of his playing days, would they? He, mm. you know, he, he got his goal against Blackburn on his debut, looked lively early doors, but it was soon quite apparent with Sears, wasn't it, that actually he's not that good he's he's all right but he he's not going to set any set the world on fire same with dan dan potts the the lee brothers were the same elliot lee he was banging them in for fun wasn't he in the youth team elliot lee and sort of had a couple of half runouts in the first team you think oh, it's just it's, there's nothing to him really and I, I think ultimately with young players there's just not, it's all, you see it all the time, don't you? Not just at West Ham, but across lots of different mm. clubs where players come out early doors and do really well because they're really full of energy and the opposition don't know what they're dealing with and they end up just flattening out or eventually they find their level, which doesn't always end up being in the Premier League, does it? Like Freddie Sears had a fairly decent career in Leagues 1 and 2 for the rest of his career with Colchester. And you know, you can't begrudge him that just because he didn't make it in the Premier League. But Reese Oxford, I think because he, he showed that much more promise earlier on, people did expect more from him. But maybe he's just his level is just not as good as people thought it was early days. And and that is really well half the problem, isn't it? Because we all do it, not just West Ham fans. Whenever there's a young player at your club who's come through the ranks and you have a, a brilliant game, whether it's a debut or not, against Arsenal, away as well, and then you go... We, we all do it. Maybe as a British thing and English thing as fans, we go, oh, he, I mean, he's the man for the next 10 years. This man's going to be the man for the next 12 years. Like, And we start comparing him after one game. And it's only now, in hindsight, we go, 
still very early, very early. But we all build them up to such a stage, and in, in, in is what such a small, small sample size will. Walcott was a classic example for that, wasn't he? Theo Walcott. Mm. You know, people are sort of because he was so good at sixteen, got taken. Sven took him, didn't he, to the uh, the World Cup? The World and, Cup. Yeah, and he was he was showed so much promise, and he was supposed to be the fastest player ever to play in the Premier League, and he was absolutely tear things up. And people sort of look at him now and go, "Ah, oh, Theo Walcott, nah, not that good." So, well, I mean, he played for Arsenal for five years or however many years he played for Arsenal. Years, yeah, well, yeah. So, like, had a significant period of time at Arsenal. Now, still got a contract at Everton, a fairly decent Premier League outfit. Just because the man didn't end up being the next Cristiano Ronaldo, anyone who gets plaudits or makes first team impressions early, everyone assumes that they're going to be the next, literally the best thing ever. Theo Walcott has had a sturdy, solid Premier League career. He's been a bit unlucky with internationals, with injuries and the players he was trying to get past. But ultimately, he's had a decent Premier League career, but people are always going, ah, just because he was loads better than everyone else in his year group at 16. When you, This is a West Ham podcast, but when you say sturdy career, I think Theo Walcott is the prime example of this debate, whether it's Oxford, whether it's Theo Walcott, if you've been capped by your country 50 times, scored double-digit goals for your country, played for Arsenal 300 appearances, near 100 goals, that is not a sturdy Premier League career. I think if you're playing at League One, that's a sturdy professional career. If you've played at the top of your game and gone to major tournaments, that is a heck of a career. I would bite someone's arm off for that career. Everyone, I mean, I'll make you right. I've always thought Theo Walcott's had a great career. Um, but everyone assumes that he hasn't had a great career because he didn't become the player that everyone touted him to become when he was 16 years old. Which was um, like Lionel Messi, basically. Which is like, this guy is going to be the most incredible footballer on earth. Um, there's a reason why Sven's taken him to the World Cup when he's not played a Premier League game yet. Um, worst decision any manager could ever make. Um, was, then was it? Was it though? It was, was terrible. It? I mean, he picked him up with Jermaine Defoe in that, that, that World Cup. Jermaine Defoe was banging goals in for, for Tottenham in the Premier League. Uh, he Defoe's told you to say that when you interviewed him last week. Yeah, yeah. well, on I the mean, WhatsApp group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you can't get, you can't get away from the truth, can you? you? Can't get away from the truth. Um, it's his fault we didn't win the World Cup that year. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I just think that yeah, a lot of people, and Theo Walcott's not the only one as well. But yeah, mm. it's, it's, it's funny how everyone's just they have this this initial uh, expectation of a player, and then that expectation stays with that player their entire career doesn't matter what that player goes on and does if they don't go on and become their initial mm. expectation um so yeah I charlie mean, charlie i think uh, i think we can all expect over the course of the rest of this podcast james to drop in why sean wright phillips wasn't in the uh, england side a load more how come uh, he didn't play for barcelona <laughs> or real madrid and carlton cole probably should have deserved a few more england calls up as well i'd imagine jonesy yeah well, right phillips was actually gutted to miss out on on a couple of international tournaments he told me that himself and carlton cole actually told me that he, he thought international training was quite easy uh which is probably why he never really made more than i think what 11 caps because he was for us i don't want to go back to west ham so so yeah i mean i've got more of those if you want them boys that might be a separate podcast to be fair. Yeah. Yeah, because I'll be honest, obviously you both know that my favourite section of the show is the Rogue Players quiz and it's coming to an end and I was worried, where would I get that pleasure from? And I think my new favourite thing is James Jones 
dropping little like initials and WhatsApp text from his newfound mates. That is my new favourite thing. If you could just just subtly just get him in now and again, James. I think me and Will will both enjoy that very much. Well, maybe you're thinking, why haven't they spoke about the big news of the week, the big headline? Because your team, West Ham, have been linked with a new man on the block, the hottest new managerial talent currently applying his trade in Italy, and we're talking about it next. Welcome back to We Are West Ham. You're listening to me, Charlie Hawkins, James Jones and Will Pugh. We were just giving you the latest roundup of all your Hammers news. And I know you are still staying with us because you're sticking around until the last bit of the show because it is the final of the season, the Rogue West Ham Mystery Players Quiz. That is still to come. So a little bit of time for you to do your research because the scores are 14-14. Whose corner are you in? Which man are you back in? But let's get to the big story of the week. Maybe not the one that's really being reported over here back in the UK, but it is picking up a little bit of traction in Italy. And it is the new man, Ivan Juric, head coach of Verona, who is doing, who is having an impressive season, the Croatian manager. Maybe the next big thing. Small rumours being linked with West Ham. Sullivan really watching him and liking what he's done this year. James, you noticed this and picked up on it. How are you? Uh, how much are you impressed with this story and this new man that maybe could be taking the helm at the Hammers? Yeah, I mean, firstly, I'd like to say that I, mean, I don't know how true or sort of how far along this story is, whether there's any truth in it at all. But there, there have been reports um, on the continent, not so much in the UK yet, uh, that David Sullivan is after the manager of Hellas Verona, um, which is Ivan Juric, which. Uh, not many people have heard of. I hadn't really heard of him. Um, Hellas Verona actually are, are eighth in Syria at the moment, four points off Napoli, um, doing a doing a Sheffield United actually in Syria. They've just recently been promoted, and they're going for the Europa League. Um, so naturally, a manager in a, in in charge of a team like that is going to be linked with with a move away to to bigger and better football clubs. And and you know West Ham apparently David Sullivan has been tracking him for the last two months. Uh, and it kind of, I found it interesting because this guy um, in Italy is has been raved about. Um, he's he's been in charge of um, uh, Genoa and Crotone before. He was assistant manager at Inter Milan and Palermo before that. Um, and he's got very. He's, I read an article about him earlier. He's got a heavy metal approach to football, very much like the the, the Jurgen Klopp style. Um, he's been likened also to Antonio Conte. Um, in terms of his the way that he moulds his teams and his um, the way that he sets his teams up, so um, it just seems it seemed quite an interesting story for I thought that we could touch on because no one's really heard of this guy uh, and there's been a lot a lot of debate in the past when we've been looking for managers about the type of manager West Ham should be should be targeting whether it's a young and up and coming manager um, whether it's someone a little bit more established whether it's someone that we can just bring in and sort of just go right here you go as a project. You know, you've got four or five years to execute. It doesn't matter what happens. Uh, and this is the sort of manager that I think is probably that guy if we were to go down that route. And I think a lot of fans have, have wanted us to go down that route in the past of getting someone who's a little bit unknown, um, sort of achieved a little bit in, in a, a top division elsewhere in, in Europe um, and has, deser- you know, has earned a, a chance to have a go. Uh, and... and Ivan Juric looks like he could be that guy. Whether there's any truth in it, it, it might not. There might not be any truth in it. But 
um just reading about him earlier and i you know urge listeners to to have a bit of a read there's an article on um, these football times on him which we'll tweet out later actually um and it really get you know gives you a good idea of what type of manager this guy is and what he's achieved um in he's only 44 as well so he's still quite young uh and he's got a lot of similarities to Stavan Bilic born in the same town in Croatia and um both came through the Hajduk split uh, academy so it could be the next Slavin Bilic but maybe with a little bit more success I mean there was there was only two things I was going to ask during that Jonesy but uh, you made it three right at the end with your pronunciation of Hajduk split um, the main one though <laughs> I don't know who Hajduk split are but <laughs> Ivan Juric will be really offended if he hears this podcast I'm sure oh, he is listening oh sorry it's Ivan Juric I mean <laughs> yeah. you tell me mate <laughs> Ivan Juric <laughs> um, but two things then uh, first of all a heavy metal approach to football what does that constitute good point what uh, have you got any insight into that because uh, I mean uh, Slavin Bilic notoriously a fan of of that sort of genre of music i believe he's a bit of a rock fan but i'm interested uh what a heavy metal approach would be i can't imagine that's blasting out metallica records on the bus is well, it or to, to quote to quote this article um which directly um references heavy metal uh it says uh Urich's coaching methods depend greatly on angles of attack and the formation of triangles on the field. His basic 3-4-3 formation is revolutionary in its simplicity. Heavy metal in practice and exhaustive in principle. Fitness is the cornerstone for being successful with this tactical method. So okay. there you go. Well, the, the, go. Tri- the triangle method, anyone at home who's been watching Michael Jordan and the last dance will know that Phil Jackson, the coach of the one of the probably the most successful basketball team of all time adopted a triangle method, which was the cornerstone of his success with the balls. You'll back me up on that, won't you, Charlie? I will. I've been watching it all, finished it. Very good. Absolutely. But on a serious point on that one, whilst, you know, that, that, you're right there, James, that is the sort of manager and the sort of players we want to attract, you know, young, hungry, with something to prove, but a little bit of success, obviously got something about them. Why, why on earth is David Sullivan tracking other managers if it if it's true and if the story stands up why on earth is david sullivan tracking other managers when seemingly he was the only one on the planet with a west ham leaning who felt that it wasn't an who who thought that david moyes was the man for the long term at west ham you know for those on the on the david sullivan side of things you know we had tony gale on last week who was saying you know moyes is a good bloke and and he thinks that he, he is the man to take the club forward. Tony Cotty, not quite as strong, but similar sentiments. Um, the week before, saying, you know, he's an honest man and does his job. Tony Cotty didn't think he was, he was potentially, you know, the most attractive prospect going forward. But one person who seemingly did was David Sullivan. Why on earth is he looking at new managers if the story is true? I think I think it's probably if if there is any truth in this, then um, I think I don't think he's got this in mind for the coming summer. I think he's got after the end of this season, whenever that is, um, Moyes will have another twelve months to go. He's, I think he signed an eighteen month contract, didn't he? So it could be that. I mean, I can't imagine as well that Hellas are going to let go of him um, that easily, given the success he's having there. He's taken them up to Syria, and he could even get them into the Europa League. Um, so I can't imagine him wanting to leave as soon as he's achieved 
like almost the unthinkable there. So that'd be no, that'd be like Chris Wilder leaving Sheffield United if they get into Europa League this year. Just no, just it's mad. So it could be that he might might be having this in mind for once more as his contract ends. Uh, it could be you know, okay, he's touting him. He's he's got him on the shortlist. He's one one manager. He's got an eye on if in, in what twelve months time. It comes to the point where, yeah, it's not working with Moyes. He hasn't really earned the chance to get a contract extension. Let's go back into the managerial market. He's one we're going to look at. I don't know. And I mean, give, having having read up on him earlier on today and done a lot of research on him, I'd be, I quite like the look of him. I quite like the sound of him. I've said do a little bit more research, actually watch Hellas for the play and see what they're like. But um, if this is the sort of manager that David Sullivan's got his eye on, then I think, you know, we can... We can be quite pleased about what we might find in, in, in the future in, in charge of West Ham if it's not David Moyes. I mean, and I've spoken so many times in the past, David Moyes has earned the right to continue with us and take us forward. But if it doesn't work out, then, you know, I mean, I'd be quite happy with Ivan Juric in one, charge. One thing, Jonesy, I know a lot of top Italian football experts are backing him for big things. I- I think I'm right in saying he's been sacked from every club that he's worked at up until now. Yeah, and yeah, but that is a classic Hammers <laughs> identity. You do need that before getting the job. <laughs> do you know what, though? I mean, reading this article on, on these football times, I do think, you know, it does start off, you know, he's been sacked from here, he's been sacked from there. But he is only, I think, let me just check again. He's, uh, he's 44, so he's still young in his, you know, in his career. Um, and the idea that, you know, only the best managers um, never get sacked is, is madness. I mean, unless you're Pep Guardiola, um, you're going to get sacked from... I mean, Jose Marino has been sacked from mm. clubs um, and he's regarded as one of the best managers uh, on earth. Um, well, so, yeah, I mean, a lot, a lot of... Oh, I mean, well, maybe years ago he was, not now. Um, but, yeah, I mean, a lot of managers, particularly at that age as well, they're going to, they're gonna, you know, if, especially trying to adopt that style of play, um, you, some clubs he, he's been at might not have had the had the financial clout to bring in the players that he wanted to really sort of make that system work. I don't know. Um, well, can I can I ask? Because obviously James has done so much research, he's even getting excited about watching Verona games on YouTube. <laughs> by one you of mentioned, shirts. I know, and James isn't even missing football, so this is definitely done something <laughs> to him. He's already been clawed in by the lure of Iron Juric. Well, you said, why would he be looking at this manager? Isn't that maybe what a, a good chairman, a good owner does? They're, they're planning for the future, seeing what else is out there. And isn't it a little bit what West Ham fans have been craving for? That, that left-sided approach, you know, maybe a young man, aggressive uh, approach to the game and maybe someone that, that could make West Ham take that next step. I think most West Ham fans, Charlie, or certainly a large percentage would rather David Sullivan be looking out there and scouting Europe for new owners rather than new managers. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, while I, yeah, I think it's, it's probably a given for people working in football to always have their finger, whether you're a manager or a recruiter or a director of football or an owner, you'd like to think that you're, it's sort of par for the course that you have your finger on the pulse and what's going on in other European leagues to because the Premier League they, that's how they market themselves, isn't it? The best players, the best coaches, the best chefs, the best you know that that's what the clubs want, isn't it? They want the best sports scientists, they want the best physios, they want the best facilities, the best stadiums. Well, some, most clubs want the best stadiums. We apparently we're not too fussed about that, but yeah, I 
I just, I just find it a bit strange if that's true. I do know, I know what you mean, but the, the idea that Sullivan is one of the only people or one of few people, certainly from the off, who apparently thought that David Moyes was the right man long-term, he sort of turned it on the fans and blamed the fans for the Pellegrini appointment by saying, oh, it's what the fans wanted. And I still stick by, well, okay, you, you went for one manager who plays that style of football and it didn't work out. All of a sudden, I think, because it suits the board's narrative to go for the cheap option, to turn around and go, oh, well, well we've tried that uh, elaborate style of football. Well, there are other managers out there who haven't, you aren't knocking on the door of 70, who haven't already won the Premier League and gone off to China to retire, who probably still have things to, to strive for or to fight for. But yeah, I don't know. It's sort of if it, if there's any truth in it, it sort of plays into the whole circus of the whole thing. If you ask me, my only worry with an appointment like this is that this is the type of manager that would need time, he'd need patience from the fans, um, and my only worry is that he wouldn't get that at West Ham mm. because you know after everything that's happened over the last four or five years with the stadium move and all those broken promises we've been given, that that need and that want to, to be where we were promised to be, or at least at least challenging to be where we were promised to be, is suddenly a lot, you know, a lot more, you know, at the forefront of everyone's minds. And if you have a manager that comes in that needs three or four years to to really get his style across and get the players in that he needs to play in the system that he wants, um and, you know, we might lose four or five games in a row while he tries to figure it all out. Uh, we might finish 15th one season while he figures it all out. Is he going to get the time at West Ham? Um, is he going to get the time in anywhere in the Premier League? Because, you know, we all know a lot of Premier Clubs don't have patience anymore. Um, and we haven't really got we haven't really got the players to be able to fit his system. I mean, Jack Wilshere uh, and Carlos Sanchez in midfield trying to play that sort of system. I mean, it just don't work, does it? And, and poor old Martin Overton as well, so... Um, a lot of work to be done if we get a manager like that in. Yeah, and obviously managers aren't afforded that period of uh, adaptation now because obviously they need to come in instant success. He is young. Maybe that's why he's been sacked. He's not been given enough time. Just quickly, James, before we get to that quiz, I do want to ask, you already seem to me that you've you've got uh, your heart set on a move. You've done that typical fan thing that now you are ready to get the name on the back of the shirt and you're awaiting his arrival. You've, you've, Fancy you've knows how to spell it. One little report out of Italy, and and you've been sold. No, nah, no, nah, honestly, um, I haven't been sold. Uh, Is that a Eurich poster behind you? <laughs> <laughs> as I said, I'm, I'm probably gonna if Syria starts off before the Premier League, I might buy um, a Hellas Verona season ticket, fly oh. over there, watch a few games. Um, I'll do the scouting. <laughs> I'll do the scouting for Sullivan. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't really know enough about him. Other than you know, from what I've read, looks quite promising. Um, mm. it, it does kind of follow the narrative to what what I think West Ham should be doing in terms of the type of manager West Ham should be targeting. Yeah, I know. And you've always said you wanted a younger manager. You wanted Nagelsmann. You you mentioned the types of managers that are coming through. Well, it is now time because we are going into the final. It is finally upon us. The West Ham Rogue Mystery Players Quiz. Yes, we have reached it. We're finally here. It is the finale. The 29th week of the quiz, the West Ham Rogue Mystery Players Quiz. Can you believe it? 28 weeks, the boys have gone 
head-to-head. And the scores are tied 14-14. In the blue corner, it is Will. A million guesses a minute pew against James. I might have cheated now and again, Jones. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent intro. Just kidding. Obviously, that little bit of research, James, we had to have a stewards over that week. There may be an extended edition tonight because Will is desperate for the win. Before we go to those standings and before we welcome the boys in, they are just getting loose in the changing rooms. The music and the crowd and the patience is heating up. We have to shout out our man Reese Bayliss for doing this every week. What a guru, a quiz master he has been. He's the reason uh, behind the success of this quiz. And we really appreciate everyone getting involved. But honestly, this wasn't planned. The scores are 14-14. That goal difference could really come down tonight. James has a two-point lead, but we go where we always start. Will, what are those goal difference standings? Yeah, so at the moment, Charlie, like you say, I'm glad you mentioned there that it's not planned. It seemed almost bizarre. I mean, Reese has, has been fantastic, so I'd just like to echo those sentiments because if I lose this, I'm an awful loser, so I probably won't be in the mood for thanking anyone or saying nice things about anyone. But yeah, whilst me and Jones, you've been going head-to-head, Charlie, you've done a fantastic job of hosting it. But the hard, the real hard work is putting together, thinking of the rogue players every week and, and putting the clues together from it. You're right, it's the 29th week. So Reese has done, this. these will be the 90th players and 90th set of clues. Reese has done five clues for each. That's 450 clues Reese has done for this quiz. So massive hats off to Reese. It's been such a huge part of the show. Any feedback we get on the podcast, people say how much they love the quiz. And we could not have done it without Reese and um, you know his idea and all his hard work, which is far harder than the three of us have done. So hats off to him first. But yeah, going into it, Charlie Simon Webster, who Reese done last week, proved too much for both me and Jonesy. It was in the Paolo Alves league of almost impossibly difficult players that me and Jonesy have struggled with. So Simon Webster last week meant that on game weeks the tie scores stand at 14-14 on overall game weeks. James is actually leading me on points difference, 44-42. But it would be like Man City and Liverpool being on level points in the Premier League going into the last game of the season. Um, it really The goal difference just do not matter this week. We've got seven clues from Reese to make it a bit of a big one, a bit of an extravagant finale rather than the usual three that we do. So goal difference is out the window. It's just a winner takes all one-on-one head-to-head shootout and James you know did stoop to some levels you've mentioned it Charlie and probably the best intro you've done all season for the quiz. <laughs> uh, James I've cheat every now and then Jones but you know we, we, we've got over that and it's been thoroughly enjoyable and uh, yeah this is this all just comes down to this 30 weeks over half of a year comes down to this one moment and seven players and, uh, and the ultimate test of James and mine West Ham knowledge. Yeah, obviously said in jest, James, we all have a good laugh here. You've worked hard for it, even though you may have done a, a, a similar quiz before we've done our own very quiz. But James, before we get into Will's extended edition tonight and we explain that because maybe the owners will be back on Will why he's changing it. Let's get on to you, your thoughts ahead of tonight. And James, maybe... This could have been out of sight. This could have been one because a few weeks back, you were maybe four in front. And I have to say, myself included, I thought the race was done. You were home and dry. Yeah, yeah, maybe I didn't cheat enough. That's probably why I haven't won it yet. 
I mean, those those allegations have, have really cut deep tonight, boys. I think um, <laughs> it uh, was revision, wasn't it, James? To put, it put the record it straight, it was it revision I'll against put the record the straight now. Quiz. At work, we do some quizzes on our websites, and I, I thought oh, I'm going to do a few quizzes today. You know, try and get some traffic in, into the website. Uh, and my boss went do a West Ham one. I thought, oh well, you know, I know where my my, my best knowledge is, and that's rogue West Ham players. Um, um, and then I thought, no, I'll mix it up a little bit more. I'll do rogue uh, squad numbers. So it wasn't West Ham players, it was squad numbers. Um, oh. And then it just it happened to be, while I was doing research on squad squad numbers, um, the following week, one of the players... Mark Vivian um, Fowler, don't well, worry, Mark I remember Vivian. it. Yeah, so, yeah, so you remember it. I don't remember it. So, I mean, that shows <laughs> how, how much I was really paying attention, isn't it, Will? Um, yeah, and it just happened to trigger my memory. I think, oh, yeah, I saw that earlier. Um, so, yeah, it, is, it just is what it is, you know? I don't really know what else to say other than, you know, I've, I've thrown it away over the last three or four weeks. So, yeah. No, I think I think it was it was revision, James, and we, everyone agreed, as as all the listeners are at home as well, that it was against the spirit of the quiz. Might not have been against the rules, but certainly against the spirit. Just one thing, Charlie, um, we're all going to have a, as it's the end of the season, or would have been the end of the football season, Jonesy and I normally uh, would have had a break. We did this time last year. We had a couple of weeks off the podcast we're going to do a similar thing this year and we're going to have a week off next week. But what we are going to do is going to edit up all of the quiz answers, um, the quiz questions and the quiz answers from all of the episodes and publish that. So there will be a podcast going out next week as usual. And it will be the entire, the quiz in its entirety from question one, 30 weeks ago up till the end of tonight and the crowning of the champion. So uh, we won't be here next week, the three of us, but we'll be back soon after, but you will be able to hear the quiz from beginning to end on your podcast next week. Absolutely. And James, it would be remiss if we were maybe to not mention the rule change tonight, because I'm a big fan of competition. I'm a big fan of tradition. And when you've done something for 28 weeks, you know, three rogue players, the first one to get it wins, in search of that victory. And then tonight, when you are two behind on goal difference, even though it would be enough, is it a little bit strange that tonight we're doing the best of seven rather than the best of three when you are two in front? Is that maybe against the spirit of the game? I mean, I'm still struggling to to get my head around why we're doing this. Um, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna question Will's um, Will's motives. Like, I mean, I've had my my entire character question this evening. But I won't <laughs> stoop. Oh, I'm not gonna stoop that low. Not before a massive game. Um, yeah, I, I do you find made it that weird. mistake before. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm not gonna. I, I don't know why we're doing seven. We could have just done three. It wouldn't have made mm. much more difference. Um, and yeah, but we'll do seven. I'm happy to do seven mm. if that's what we really want to do tonight. Um, we we can do it. Um, I don't think it's gonna make much difference anyway. So yeah, that's all I'm, I, that's I all I'm saying. Admit, yeah, I, I thought I was sort of not just maybe the presenter, but the umpire of sorts. And, and I'm not because if it would have if it was down to me, I would have gone with a three. But Pew, who is so desperate for that name on the trophy, wants seven. Charlie, I, I just, I'll, I'll say it once, I'll say it again. We could do it best of three, best of one, best of 13, best of 300. Tonight, it's all about game weeks as it's been all season. But mm. we've mentioned the Chicago Bulls already this season. At the end of every NBA season, they have a best of seven final championship game. To win the NBA championship, you have to win the best of seven series. And I feel like this is a nice champion American sports championship mm. style end. Rather than the best of three we've done all year, we have a best of seven. Then ultimately, it doesn't matter. It's all about the game weeks. 
and also, but this isn't basketball or an American sport. This is the We Are West Ham quiz. What I would love more than ever is Will to win 3-0, but then because it's the best of seven, James win the last four and win overall. The seven coming back to bite the pew. This is it. The blue and the red corner are now in the ring. They are standing face-to-face, about to go toe-to-toe, and it is all or nothing. James has already got his head in his hands. It is 14-14, but James does have that two-point lead. Well, we are doing seven players tonight, and this, to kick it off, is player number one. You know the rules. Rogue players, mystery players, five clues. The clues get easier. Can you get them before the boys tonight? This is player number one. Player number one, clue number one. Played over 250 games for West Ham. James Tompkins. Incorrect. (laughs) James is nervous. Change of tack for the final. That's nerves. Unbelievable. (laughs) Clue number two. Wore three different shirt numbers in his spell at the club. George McCartney. Incorrect. James could be cracking. <laughs> this, man, this man scored on his debut. Freddie Sears. Incorrect. Scored West Ham's 2,000th league goal against Coventry. Freddie Pickion. Incorrect. Pickion, 250 games for West Ham. You having a laugh? Oh, yeah, all right, sorry. Eight years ago today, scored one of the most important goals in Colton West Ham. That's correct. That's oh. Colton Cole. And James is 1-0 up. This is unbelievable. My mate Carlton. And also has a three-point lead. But that is not necessary tonight because it's all on the wings. I don't know what to do. Player number two. Had a career that spanned over 750 games. Alvin Martin. Incorrect. Won the League One title with Wigan. Grant McCann. Incorrect. Played 61 games for West Ham. He was the runner-up in Hammer of the Year in 2012 to 2013. Jack Collison. Shirt 750 number. games, you mad? <laughs> yeah, not just for West Ham, though, but 750 games. You're going to get it on this one. Last clue, number five, the easiest clue. Shirt number 22. Oh, come on, boys. You're nervous tonight. It's a very obvious shirt number. We have a recap. A quick recap of player number two. Career that spanned over 750 games, won the League One title with Wigan, played 61 games for West Ham, was runner-up Hammer of the Year in 2012-2013 season, shirt number 22. Not James, Malcolm you like McCoy, his shirt is it? number? It's incorrect. I thought you would have got it on the shirt number, if I'm honest. Of course, a tough one. It's only about eight seasons ago when you lot were loving life. Did Matty Taylor? It's incorrect. Guys, what position is shirt number 22? It's very normally linked to a certain position. In and around that number. 
This is terrible. This is Yushi Askelainen. That is correct. And that is 1-1. One, one. Good shot. It yeah, is 1-1. One, one. It's all to play for. In what would have been the best of three, we would have gone to the final one anyway. This is player number three. And those scores are tied at 1-1. One, one. Began their career at Nuneaton Borough in 1982. Scored 70 goals for West Ham in six years. Voted Hammer of the Year in 1994. Last game for the club was against Man United in 1995. Shirt number nine. Matty Holmes? Nope. Trevor Morley? That's correct. And it is 2-1 to Will Pugh. Well, Will, in your own demise, maybe, you would have won tonight and been the overall winner. But it's the best of seven. So, unfortunately, we go on. Unbelievable stuff. 2-1 to Will. Will he regret that decision, just as I called it earlier? James, this is where maybe you could come to the fore. Because this is player number four in game four of the Special Seven series. Player number four, clue number one began their career at West Brom. Played 35 games for West Ham, scoring twice. A league title winner with Liverpool. Oh, it's fun, I guess out. Left West Ham for Everton, which saw Tony Cotty, the big TC who we had on the show, come back to the club. Neil Ruddock. It's incorrect. Oh, I was going to say that out of... Julian Dix. Incorrect. Shirt number three. Not, no. Mike Mike Marsh? Incorrect. Shirt Mike. number three. I'm going to... Go on. Come on, should we have a recap? I was going to give you a recap because there's quite a lot of shout-outs there. Began career at uh, West Bromwich Albion. Played 35 games for West Ham. Scored twice. A league title winner with Liverpool. Left West Ham for Everton in which that same move saw Tony Cotty come back to the club. Shirt number three. Scott Minto? Incorrect. Oh, man. James, you need this. It is 2 1 to Will Pugh. David Unsworth? Incorrect. Oh. Good shout. Oh, no. Would you like a bonus clue at number six, the initials? Will, James? Yeah, go on. Then. Go on. Will? Yeah, go on. Okay, bonus clue number six. Initials DB. Oh, blimey. Give us a recap again, Charlie. Is that all right? Okay. This person began their career at West Bromwich Albion. They played 35 games for West Ham, scoring on two occasions. Was a league title winner with Liverpool, left West Ham for Everton, in which that move saw Tony Cotty come back to the club. Shirt number three. And the initials are DB. Do you want to bank it? Yeah, bank it. Yeah. Okay, we're banking at play at number four. The scores are still Will Pugh two, James Jones one. And this is player number five played 20 games for West Ham. 
signed on a free transfer. Won the UEFA Cup with Shakhtar Donetsk. Romanian... Razvan Rat. That is correct, James Jones. And it is 2-2. This is unbelievable. The boys cannot be separated. It's 2-2. And we go to player number six. This person was a youth product at West Ham. Played 95 games for West Ham, scoring 12 goals. Never played a Premier League game at West Ham. A two times Premier League winner. Glenn Johnson? Incorrect. Won 53 caps for England. Michael Carrick? Incorrect. What am I talking about? Recap. Recap. Okay. Player number six, clue number one. Youth product at West Ham. Played 95 games for West Ham, scoring 12 goals. Never played a Premier League game at West Ham. A two times Premier League winner. Won 53 caps for England. Do you want another clue? Played for Man United and Liverpool. Are you kidding me? Ruddock? No, what am I chatting about? Played for Man United, Liverpool and West Ham and you're not getting that. Paul Lintz. That's correct. James Jones is leading 3-2. Unbelievable. You've been stumped there. Madness. It is James Jones 3-2. We've got one in the bank, but we go to player seven first. This is unbelievable. The last player. James, if you get this last player, it would be 4-2 and it would be all over because the clue, the guy that we've banked, it wouldn't be enough for Will. 3-2 to you, James. You have a chance here with player number seven. Currently playing for the club he began his career at. Played 11 games for Preston on loan in 2008. Neil Mellor? Incorrect. Neil Mellor's not playing anymore. <laughs> One time highest transfer fee paid for a British player. Scored 34 goals for West Ham. Scored one goal in Euro 2012 for England. Matty Upson? Incorrect. Andy Carroll? It is Andy Carroll. And James yes. Jones has won tonight. Will, you would have won if it was the best of three. Unbelievable. James Jones is the champion of the West Ham Mystery Rogue Players Quiz 2020-15-14. You, sir, are the champion. Buzz in. Absolutely buzzing. When I went 2-1 down there, I thought, oh, I've blown it. I've absolutely blown it. 2-1 down. I know, but I mean, I'm, I'm disappointed. It took, it took a while for me to get Paul Ince, but I'm absolutely ecstatic. I can't wait mm. for Will to buy me those beers. And can't James, wait. is it sweeter that you've won, knowing that if it was best of three, if we did stick with tradition, tonight's champion would be Will Pugh? Yeah, yeah, it does, actually. Um, <laughs> I thought... Getting that first one, I thought, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm quite happy with that. But then going behind, I would have lost it. But 
yeah, justice in the end was was served, and yeah, I, I mean, it, it was actually it worked out quite nicely. Evan seven, it did drag it out a little bit more, but <laughs> I'm glad to glad to have secured the title. And just quickly before we bring in uh, the season's loser, obviously no one remembers second. The player that you banked and you both didn't get was David Burrows. DB there, uh, you both missed out on that one. Will, huge uh, commiserations because it might have been second. You might not be the champion, but it went to the wire. Very unlucky tonight. And you maybe were your own downfall and shot yourself in the foot. No, I, I, I stand by that. I, I only was doing it for the listeners. I thought as it was the finale, it'd be nice for, for one last big one to have a few more players that uh you know it's been such good fun all season having um having players that thinking back to players that we'd probably not thought of for a long time so i you know i was glad that in the in the traditional format i would have taken the title but i'm uh, i'm more than happy with that so massive congratulations to james thanks again to reese and uh yeah absolutely brilliant fun doing it all year and uh, we hope to have an equally entertaining equally exciting feature with you when uh, when we're back but like I say listen to the, the full quiz next week well an unbelievable quiz an unbelievable season congratulations to James Jones commiserations to Will Pugh but we really enjoyed doing the quiz all of us whatever way it went tonight but we are going to do another one next season another season on quiz and you can not only maybe join in give us some suggestions you can always tweet us and get involved, email us whenever you want. Feel free to do that. But boys, the season would have ended tonight. It does end for you two. I have to give you two the last word. What a season this has been for us. We're going to take a week off. You can listen to all the quizzes next week. We'll be back with a bang in two weeks. But James, you will sign us out. So Will, to kick us off before we go, just a quick thought and a recap on tonight. Yeah, no, I, uh, you know what? Like I said uh, in the, the extended intro to that, mate, the quiz has been... We, we get the most plaudits for that of all the feedback we get from our, our listeners and which we absolutely love, by the way, anyone who gets in touch with us on the email or Twitter or Instagram, whatever it might be. We love hearing from all of you, but it is the quiz that everyone loves to hear. And it all was born from me and Reese, who whenever we see each other, we're good friends um, and have been for a long time, a massive mutual love of West Ham and whenever we go out and have a few beers we always talk and we always laugh about absolutely crap players that West Ham have had in the time and god have we had stacks in the past so we've said it a few times already in lockdown but that is what it means to support West Ham is the love for the club despite the fact that we are rubbish and we probably always will be rubbish and everything seems to go a bit wrong but everyone who listens to this me James and everyone at home, we're all bonded by that same thing. And we love doing what we do and being able to talk to all of you about it and talk about it and, you know, just, just have a laugh about it because it, it's, it's what we used to and it's what we love doing. And the quiz is a massive part of that. So once again, thanks, Reese. I've had a brilliant time doing it. It's just brilliant to remember all of these rogue players that we've had. And there's countless amounts that, that haven't even come up in the 90-odd that Reese has done for us this year. So no, I've had a great time. We, we're going to have a week off. We'll be back, so don't worry. Um, but yeah, once again, as I always say, and I do mean it every time, thanks to everyone for listening and everyone who shares it and tells their mates about it. It's uh, it's really good for us and we love hearing from you as well. So yeah, congrats to Jonesy. All right, all right. Enough from the, the commiserations. Let's hear from the champion. Well, let's let the man get a word <laughs> in. Oh, he didn't, couldn't get him off the mic and he lost. My favourite uh, bit actually, James, was when he went, everyone who listens, me and James, just, just you two, it sounds like. But James, you are the champion. Please sign us off tonight. 
Yeah, no, I will. I will like to just echo what Will said. Um, no, we we do get a lot of a lot of people sort of messages and say how great, how much they enjoy the podcast and the quiz at the end. Um, it has been sort of uh, a really really important feature. So we will have to think of something something to uh, to follow in the footsteps of that moving forward. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm glad to have won it. Um, but you know, I know we're only having a week off. Uh, Will's speech there sounded like we were completely closing it down, um, but we're not. <laughs> I'm right ever... after that. <laughs> we're only it was like when a week. you lose at Wimbledon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're, we're only taking a week off, so um, listeners can be reassured that we'll all be back in a couple of weeks with uh, with another up to date show. Uh, hopefully, by then we'll know a little bit more about what's going to go on with football. Um, we have a bit more to talk about, but um, yeah, thanks as always. Thank you so much to everyone that that listens, that tweets us, that, you know, that follow us, follows us on all the social media networks and, and gets in touch with us and emails us. And it, it does really mean a lot and it makes all this worthwhile, uh, particularly in lockdown where, you know, it's, it's not been easy for, for most people in lockdown, but, you know, hopefully we're giving people uh, an hour of, um, of respite during these difficult times every week. So, um, yeah, thanks for everyone to, uh, for, for listening and subscribing and, and uh, we'll see you again in two weeks. See you again in two weeks. Keep listening. We really appreciate it. Thank you to Reese, but more importantly, thank you to James Jones and Will Pugh. Up the hammers, and we will see you in two weeks. Hi everyone, it's Will here from We Are West Ham. Have you ever dreamt of pulling on the claret and blue shirt to play in front of thousands of fans at the London Stadium? Well now, thanks to We Are West Ham and our brand new competition with Snugsy, you've got a chance to put your kit on and be a part of the team with your very own West Ham mini-me doll. Simply upload a high quality photo of your face or the face of any loved one and Snugsy can create the perfect gift for any Hammers fan. You can choose between this season's home or away kits on this officially licensed West Ham United mini-me doll. To win, head on over to We Are West Ham on Twitter. That's at We Are underscore West Ham. Check out the competition tweet and follow the instructions there. Good luck. Sports Social Podcast Network.